0: Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making.
1: Hello to everyone and a warm welcome to this week's installment of your Governance at High FM 101.9. Thank you for choosing us on hot on the Heels of the Human Rights Day, which the country commemorated and celebrated yesterday. History tells us that back in 1960, on the 1st of March in Southville, 69 people died, and 180 were wounded when police indiscriminately fired on a peaceful crowd that had gathered to protest against the loans The wounds of these events are still very fresh in the minds of Black South Africans, and Sheffield massacre commemoration is yet another reminder of countless atrocities committed against the Natives. We are still dealing with aftermath of the Land Act of 1913, the Native Trust Land Act of 1936, and Group Areas Development Act and a host of other humiliation and institutionalized racism which has resulted in blacks being you know killed. In my mind, these wounds will remain for as long will remain for as long as poverty has a black face and a gender face. And women in particular remain on the peripheral. The continuation of the status is not only unjust, but creates a fatal growth or political instability, which heads the economic recovery. Let's continue to have these kinds of conversations like are important, particularly when we get such conversation from the prism of productivity, competitiveness mindset, intellectual property, benchmarking, and, of course, corporate governance. These conversations can only sharpen our posture as a community that seeks to be counted among the best in the world. Once again, welcome to Beyond Governance, and yours truly is Nimrashamere, as always, I'm delighted to bring you the beloved listener of the show, thought leaders and captains of industry, in you know, order to shed light on their lived experiences in tackling complex situations. If you miss our previous show, not to worry, simply download the podcast and listen to captivating conversation I had with Dr. McLean Spander, who is a seasoned business executive, respected intellectual property practitioner, and entrepreneurship expert with a world of experience on innovation ecosystem. The thrust of our conversation revolved on the role of intellectual property regime. Here I'm talking about trademarks, copyrights and trade secrets and how these intellectual property value proposition, I call them, can transform the economic landscape of any country. We've seen the likes of Singapore, Hong Kong, South Korea and Taiwan investing and in, in in, in promoting aggressive intellectual property uh, And this particular venture has earned them respect in Europe and let alone the world. It is not a coincidence, therefore, that Hong Kong, Singapore um, are among the most prominent worldwide financial centers, while South Korea and Taiwan are essentially hubs of the global manufacturing of automobile and electronic components as well as information technology. The rapid industrialization was participated by aggressive pursue of intellectual property regime as a country, as a as a South African, uh, for that matter, we need to be deliberate, we need to be purposeful, we need to focus in accentuating and institutionalizing a you know a higher consciousness, in my view, of how economic drivers across the public and private sector can be liberated using intellectual property. Uh, moving on swiftly, uh and welcome let me take this opportunity to welcome my guest. Professor Silesi Marwala, who is the Vice-Chancellor at the University of Johannesburg. The Prof and I will be talking about implications of COVID-19 on leadership and management as countries and institutions navigates the digital digital transformation of the fourth industrial revolution. Prof, you are most welcome to the show and welcome.
2: Thank you very much, uh, Nimrod, uh, for inviting me to come to high fm uh, Hi-FM is actually one of my favorite um, radio stations, uh, I do listen to it. And uh, I am looking forward to engaging uh, the listeners uh, about the important topics you are about.
1: Thank you very much, Prof, for that. Before we have a quick break, um, first and foremost, um, I think, you know, I'm quite delighted that you, you've you been party to this particular, you know, station for a while and issues that have been discussed here and in the station as a whole resonates very much well with what you what, what you'd really stand for. I suppose we are about to take that quick short break and let's rather do it now so that we there aren't any interruptions um, that will come forth as we start mulling over a very interesting conversation with Professor Marona from the
0: University of Johannesburg. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making.
1: My name is Numerisi Mbela, and I'm joined by Professor Tlidzi Marwana, who is the Vice Chancellor at the University of China, Spain. and key to our conversation is the implications of COVID-19 on leadership and management as countries and institutions navigate navigating digital, digital transformation of the 4th Industrial Revolution. Prof, as we kick off, in a nutshell, who is Chilitsa Marala, And what inspired you to become the academic, let alone being the Vice-Chancellor of UJ?
2: Chilitsa Marala is a, a gentleman who comes from the province. Uh, he was educated in the United States and United Kingdom and began his uh, academic career in the United Kingdom. I completed PhD in artificial intelligence uh, at the University of Cambridge, and I was a postdoctoral fellow at uh, Imperial College in London. So I'm passionate about uh, artificial intelligence. I have authored 23 books, and in fact, as I am... Uh, I am speaking, I just received my latest book on rationality, artificial intelligence and economics. It's a book that I co-authored with uh, Dr. Daniel Muller from the Technion in Tel Aviv and uh, Professor Fernando buache from the University of Pernambuco in Recife. So I'm passionate about uh, the transfer of knowledge and about training you know, young people and old people uh, to be experts in the field of artificial intelligence. I'm also am a vice-chancellor of the University of Johannesburg, the fastest growing university in South Africa in terms of research uh, capacity. Uh, as a matter of fact, as a of fact uh, one of the things that I am passionate about is actually nature. Uh, I spent quite a great deal of time in my farm uh, in Limpopo province. So I'm passionate about uh, artificial intelligence, and I'm passionate about uh, education, and I'm passionate about transferring education from the classroom to industry, to society, and to solve problems that matter to people. I think education is only meaningful if it fulfills a positive role in society, and this is obviously at a time when we are seeing huge war in Europe. So. All of us must play a part to make sure that we create uh, a world that we can all be proud of.
1: No, thank you very much for that insight, Prof. Very useful views that you shared with with us. And once again, thank you very much. And I suppose congratulations are in order in your latest book, which um, at some point I will invite our listeners to engage on it so that we unpack some of the thinking or issues that you have raised in the latest book. Um, as you proceed, Prof, we know that in the fourth industrial revolution, artificial intelligence, robotics, and internet of things providing need specific skill sets uh, knowledge and skill sets for the emerging market. What is your view, me with some of the issues that you've captured in some of your books, what is the levels of readiness of Africa and South Africa in particular in as far as the 4th Industrial Revolution is concerned.
2: I was uh, the chairman of the presidential commission, the deputy chairman of the presidential commission on the 4th Industrial Revolution, deputising President Cyril Ramaphosa and we have come with a recommend with eight recommendations the first recommendation is to invest in human capacity development particularly in areas of the fourth industrial revolution the second recommendation is to develop the national artificial intelligence institute and the department of communications and digital technologies is actually doing exactly that the third recommendation is to use the technologies of the fourth industrial revolution to re-industrialize through manufacturing the fourth recommendation is to uh, avail and secure data as we know data is the new oil the fifth uh, recommendation is to build infrastructure especially the infrastructure of uh, the fourth industrial revolution naturally it means we need to build connectivity uh, digital connectivity so i'm quite glad that finally, after 15 years, South Africa now has, has auctioned Spectrum so that we can be able to advance into 5Gs and the necessary communication tools for us to communicate quite effectively. The sixth recommendation is to invest in capacity in terms of legislation to make sure that our laws... Uh, in the fourth industrial revolution, naturally it means that our politicians must be technologically literate. And and the the, the last recommendation is uh, about implementation. We talk too much, we need to implement. The time to implement this is now. This means our schools must start working, our hospitals must start working, our communities must be orientated towards development. We build an ethical bedrock in our communities. Thank you very much for that insight, Prof. um, must Say. It is
1: quite interesting that you mentioned about seven uh, recommendations which came from the commission which you deputized on behalf of the president. And I'm quite delighted that some of the recommendations that you have alluded to are are issues that have been the way I'm looking for, hamstrung or limiting the development. Uh, But before we take further conversation on this points that you are to let's have a quick break we'll come back just in a second
0: beyond governance making sense of doing business in south africa is proudly sponsored by plus 94 research the science of decision making Welcome back. If you have just joined us, this is Beyond
1: Governance at High FM 101.9. My name is Nimruk and I'm joined by Professor Tilisi Marada, who is the Vice Chancellor at the University of Johannesburg. And key to our conversation is the implications of COVID 19 uh, on leadership and management. Before we took that quick break, Prof was giving us Insights on some of the key recommendations that emerged uh, from the position that he held as a deputy chair of the fourth industrial revolution advising in particular government or this uh, or the president he had mentioned about seven recommendations which are very close to my heart one of those recommendations that prop i want to just to unpack a little bit is the the building of it infrastructure and connectivity as we all know this is probably one of the the strongest and the, one of the most important recommendations, but in the midst of fiscal cliff where we are sitting at, in the midst of low GDP growth, how do you see the implementation of all the recommendations coming through for they are uh, capital intensive? I suppose maybe one could argue that the release of Spectrum has a possibility of releasing resources, but you want to put that aside. What is the general thinking? of implementing these recommendations that you have alluded to?
2: I think we need to understand that development is not cheap. Development requires a population that works extremely hard, and that is obviously not cheap. It requires investment into infrastructure, whether it is in in our roads, whether it is in the form of schools, universities, whether it is in the form of community centers where people can go and learn outside the classrooms and do other things that advance uh, our society. So development is actually quite expensive. And uh, one of the things that we have to reverse as South Africa, the fact that we are spending almost four times on social grants as we spend on, on higher education, it's also concerning. Because uh, societies work, because they're productive, so our investment should be on productive things. And Of course, I do appreciate that uh, social grants are important given the problems that we face as society. But what we ought to do is to create jobs. We have to create jobs. If there is one failure that we have faced post-1994, it's our inability to build an economy that is competitive, that produces jobs, and ultimately advances uh, people, families, communities, and our nation. So that is very, very important. Yes, I agree. All these things are going to be difficult, but I think they are, they are necessary for us to move forward.
1: Thanks for that, Prof. I couldn't agree with you. Development, it's not cheap. But one of the legs of development has to be compatibility of skill sets that are being produced by a country to become competitive. Where do you think South African labour market is in producing competitive labour market or labour force that is commensurate with the skills and competencies required by the fourth industrial revolution?
2: Uh, Much can be done. Our South African universities, many of them, are producing many of the skills. Uh, Of course, some of the skills that we produce end up migrating. I mean, just to give you an example, one of my PhD students a former PhD student, uh, Dr. Zindani Mbuba, has just moved to London to work as an academic at uh, Queen Mary University of London. So uh, the skills that we produce are in demand. Where we have to worry is uh, the scale, extent. Uh, the fact that uh, almost less than half of the people who actually never appear on the other side as matriculants is a cause for concern. The fact that uh, almost 40% of the students who come to universities never graduate is also a cause of concern. So more can be done and more should be done uh, to make sure that uh, the skills that we produce are actually in line with the Fourth Industrial Revolution. One of the examples uh, that we have uh, put into place here at the University of Johannesburg is the introduction of artificial intelligence as a compulsory subject. It's a literacy course on artificial intelligence is composite for all the students who come and study at the University of Johannesburg. So things are being done. The question is, how do we scale them up so that they touch as many people as possible?
1: You hit it on a nail, Prof. That there is a lot of work that has been done. The uh, institutions of higher learning are responsive to the fourth industrial revolution imperative, if you like. However, the biggest challenge is scalability. If we could produce more graduates who are able to meet the job spec of the fourth industrial revolution, we are likely to address high unemployment rate. Particularly among graduates, we all know that the biggest crime, one could use the word crime loosely, is having substantial number of graduates lingering on the periphery of employability because some of them did, other, did not have correct qualifications or there isn't enough being done in the market. So on the issue of scalability, as you see it in different platform, which advises government and mindful that government's job is not to create jobs. Government core business is to facilitate or to have an enabling environment through which private sector organizations can take advantage by creating jobs that are scalable. What seems to be an issue around scalability uh, of some of this build up? Uh, problem.
2: Well, I think the big issue is that uh, uh, we have a crisis as a country. Uh, we have a crisis of leaders, and all of us are leaders who do everything except what we are elected or appointed uh, to do, uh, whether it is in the form of corruption, uh, whether it is in the form of diverting resources much needed resources to other factors normally personal you know so we need to deal with issues of the scourge of corruption in our society and secondly we need to get the right people into the right jobs i wrote an article on the daily maverick where i was talking about the billing crisis in the city of johannesburg and how it's uh, its roots are basically the people who have been employed to do certain tasks but uh, they are not up to the job. We need to employ the right people to the right positions. We need to instill a growth and learning mindset. Because we are living in a, in a world which is rapidly changing, those who are going to conquer this world and thrive uh, in this world are going to be those people who are going to adapt fast to the fast-changing environment, uh, we need uh, to bring back into vogue, into fashion, hard work, the culture of working hard. The culture of working hard is a problem certainly in our in the public sector. Many of us know uh, when we go to municipalities, uh, people are supposed to be helping us, preoccupied with other things either than, than helping us. Uh, this naturally means that we should hold people accountable. You know, if you, whatever job you are doing, you should be held accountable if you are not doing the job in the correct manner. It also means that whenever we see underperformance, whether it is when we go and visit our government departments, we should be loud about it. Because if we are not loud about uh, disapproving things that are not supposed to happen, then we reinforce them. And ultimately, it becomes a culture that eats into our future.
1: Thank you very much for that insight, Prof. But, you know, we have spoken loud enough, we've shouted loud enough, and we've said the right things to the right people most of the time, and yet there is no traction, there is no follow through, there is no proper assessment or comprehension of some of the issues. The AG Report Prof has raised issues that you're raising about you know, getting the right people to do a simple thing. You know, It's not been done. The issues around corruption, has been documented exceptionally well through a numerous commission. The last time I see, we we had about seven commissions which looked at this or that in relation to maladministration, corruption and malfeasance. Uh, When you look at the irregular and fruitless expenditure record, both at national, provincial, and local, local government. So these are the issues, Prof, that you know we have spoken so much about, we continue to speak so much about, and yet there is very little. Uh, it's almost talking to somebody with hearing limitation, so to speak. What needs to be done differently to provide quicker reception and adoption of the key drivers that we're speaking about?
2: I think we need to, it first start with uh, the leaders that we elect. You know, what matrices are we are we electing the leaders that we elect? And how are we holding them to account? It also starts with um, being vigilant. Uh, being vigilant and whenever things that are wrong are happening in our society, our people must not hesitate to go to the street uh, to demonstrate against it. Very often, many people give up. I'll give you an example where I come from. Somebody came to me and said they wanted to build a library. And I was asking them, have you talked to your counselor, you know, the person that you have elected? Why have you elected such a person if when it comes to matters of delivery, you don't go to them? It naturally, it means that our people must understand the role of democracy and how it works. Yes, we have come and we have... Uh,
1: very interesting site that you are sharing with us on this uh, beautiful day, and I certainly hope that they are lending uh, to very fertile ground of uh, the high listeners, particularly the below, beyond governments uh, listeners. One of the issues that you highlighted, Pop, which I want to pick your brain further on, um, has to do with the whole point of, um, you know, accessibility of data. We know fourth industrial revolution to be readily available or for youth or entrepreneurs to take advantage of it. Data is quite an expensive item and you've alluded to some of the recommendations. How are you envisaging navigating
2: on the cost of data for that on its own um, stifled development? I think one of the things that uh, has emerged as a result of the primacy of data is the announcement by the Minister of uh, Communications and digital technologies that every household is going to be given 40 40 gigs of data per month. And one of the things that I have been advising is to say, it shouldn't be data for the sake of data. Uh, It should not be data that you can go and access some uh, questionable websites. It should be data that is uh, restricted to developmental and educational things. For example, if you want to go and uh, learn about artificial intelligence, you should be able to use that data. And I think that is very, very important, you know. The second aspect is the issue of spectrum. The fact that uh, data is becoming more expensive because of, pa- partially because of the limited band of spectrum uh, that was available. So the auctioning of data that has just happened in the last few weeks is going to deal with that issue. you know. Also the, about the issue of devices, we learned very, very fast that uh, during the pandemic and our students are back in their homes uh, and we still expect them to learn. Firstly, we, we need to give them data and we did, but the issue of devices is also quite important. Uh, the issue of connectivity, because uh, we found that um, if you go to some villages you can't download uh, information as fast as if you are sitting uh, somewhere in Johannesburg. Of course, we have an organization that is tasked with the responsibility of uh, of dealing with that issue. The Universal Services uh, Access Services Agency of South Africa, uh, which is particularly famous for corruption, and we need to deal with that. But the issue of data is very important.
1: Thank you very much for, for that insight, Prof. As I certainly think um, these are very pertinent issues that the country needs to address for us to take full advantage of the fourth industrial revolution. And I'm quite happy um, to hear that UJ, as an example, has made it mandatory for, um, for, for learners or for students who come through to take artificial intelligence as a course that is compulsory. These are obviously snippets or pockets of excellence only make a dent provided they are scalable or provided there is a wider appreciation of the value of such courses and the compulsory nature of such program. What's the thinking? Do you anticipate UJ being a trailblazer in, in ensuring that these courses are compulsory? Um, what about your other counterparts? Are they getting on board and recognising the value? Of making such courses compulsory, or is it, is this something that is to be fought differently?
2: Well, well, obviously, uh, different institutions have different strengths. Uh, so I, I'm I'm a big advocate of differentiation, and leaders they have different uh, priorities. Uh, the University of Johannesburg's priority is to drive uh, the role of technology in transforming in the transformation of every aspect of our lives. Be it in social sciences. A book has been written at University of Johannesburg about AI and 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 international relations. Uh, a book has also been written about AI and the law. So, and obviously, part of the reason why we take the kind of decisions that we take is because of the makeup of the leadership. The leadership uh, at the University of Johannesburg is probably much more geared towards understanding of technology and its role in all aspects of society much more easily just because of the qualifications of vice-chancellor the deputy vice chancellors and i think uh, we are open for business and we collaborate with universities in south africa and will continue to collaborate with other universities so that they are up to uh, where we are as an institution thank you
1: very much for that insight prof we gravitate into towards short break just in a second uh, when we come back i want us to go back to the issue of partnership. You have indicated that UJ has partnered with a host of universities, presumably in the country and in the continent as it were. I want us to take us in your confidence on what has emerged from those partnerships with those institutions and when you come back from this outbreak.
0: Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making.
1: You are listening to Beyond Governance at High FM 101.9. My name is Nimrath and I'm joined by Professor Zelizzi Morana, who is the Vice Chancellor at the University of Johannesburg. We're talking very interesting conversation. We have very interesting conversation with the, the profile regarding the uh, implication of COVID on the leadership and management as universities, countries, corporations are navigating this particular space. This is not common cause that the fourth industrial revolution presents a world of opportunities. However, each institution needs to get itself, needs to be ready to take those uh, advantage. Prof, uh, before we took that quick break, you were you made, you made alluded to some of the partnerships as UJ have embarked on. Take us through some of the highlights of this partnership. Um, you know, just for an example, you went to Mozambique, I think about a week ago when we had a, a, a chat, which I thought is one very useful, Pan-Africanist approach in strengthening and consolidating Institute of Bahani. Can you take us through some of the highlights of these mega partnerships that you are building with the continent and abroad?
2: We are absolutely very, very connected to the continent and the rest of the world, ours in Mozambique. And we are doing fantastic work there. I'm the advisor to the government of Namibia. On the fourth industrial revolution and we spent quite a great deal of time there i chaired the africa center of excellence on internet of things in rwanda so we have a very healthy relationship with the uh, universities in rwanda and universities in ghana when i was there um, uh, a few years back so we really are, in addition to that we have a project called Africa by bus where we take our our students to the rest of the African continent by bus. Last year, amidst COVID, we went to Mozambique. We took about 17 buses there. I saw that our students can understand what is happening to the rest of the African continent. We've been to Mozambique, we've been to Namibia, we've been to Botswana, we've been to Zimbabwe, we've been to Zambia and we're hoping to go to Kampala via Kigali, you know. So again, that is uh, another way of reaching out to investors in the rest of the African continent so that we can deal with problems. Then we have uh, partnerships in Asia, China and India, for example, uh, Pakistan uh, in the Middle East. Uh, I, just, I just talked about uh, the book that I have co-authored with uh, Daniel Muller from, from Israel. We have partnerships there. And then we have partnerships in the Americas. Basically, to tackle the problems of uh, the global big problems, whether it, you call them sustainable development goals, it is not going to be done by individuals. It is going to be done by communities. And communities work together if they partner with one another. No, thank you very much. And I
1: could not agree with you more. Um, clearly, uh, under your leadership, No wonder why is the fastest growing uh, university with a very keen interest in fourth industrial revolution. I mean, you you make reference to you know partnership with Rwanda, Ghana, Mozambique, you know, Tampala, and so on and so forth. Also, you know, beyond the continent, Asia and India. Clearly, this is a currency. Partnership is a currency, which global players such as UJ needs to constantly leverage on, and by exposing its leadership to the latest thinking trajectories at the global level, so that. Uh, the students and leaders are able to come back to their respective platforms and, and begin to apply that knowledge. As we talk about the application of knowledge, what are programs that are being done beyond just going abroad and, and having these kinds of excursions, if you like, and the extent to which these programs and our partnerships are beginning to, you know, uh, bear fruits. Uh, if you could perhaps maybe point to some of the significance yields that you've you know experienced as a result of this partnership
2: we have actually joined degrees with many universities in china for example with nanjing tech university uh, in in europe and andrews in, in scotland many of them have uh, joint qualifications we have joint research with universities uh, whether it is in education with uh, uh, the program that we have with, uh, with Harvard and, and, and medical sciences, also with Harvard University, uh, the, uh, the, the, the relationships that we have with, uh, on, on COVID with University of London. There are many of this um, exchange of students and staff. Uh, if, uh, if you come at any given time uh, at our universities, even during COVID, you will always find uh, staff members who are on a visit uh, to the University of Johannesburg, um, um, exchange of students. Covid has uh, limited quite a bit of that. But in any given year, we have um, uh, thousands of students who come on short on, on the short term visiting students, and we send thousands of our students to the rest of the of the world. So the Africa by bus is very short term because they visit these universities for the short term. But ultimately, some of these students spend an extended period of time on our campuses.
1: Well, that's quite interesting uh, indeed, Prof. As I'm sitting to listening, um, the outcomes of these partnerships do come across as having very tangible, tangible insights or tangible experiences attached to them, and which is very useful, kind of trajectory that we can all be proud of. And once again, thank you very much for leading that particular journey and putting DJ on the map as a thought leader in the fourth industrial revolution. We're going to take a quick break just before we enter into the last phase of very interesting conversation I'm having with you, Prof.
0: Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making.
1: Welcome back to the last session of the show. We're having a very interesting conversation with uh, Prof. Tilly Marola, who is a vice chancellor at the University of Johannesburg. And we are literally unpacking host of issues relating to the Fourth Industrial Revolution as it relates to the state, private universities, public universities, and the, you know, general South, South Africa as a whole. And it's, it's quite interesting to hear from Prof that there are pockets of excellence that which we need to leverage on and to address unemployment rate in this country. Clearly, UJ is on a correct path, as I hear Prof articulating some of the programmes which are being conceptualised and delivered alongside international faculties. They he has mentioned a number of, of partnerships. I think it's quite exciting to hear those. But prof, your last you know, parting shot on, on this particular issue for I mean I would I would imagine a lot of South Africans, a lot of listeners listen to the show as we speak, wants to provide help or wants to know more about what is that you're doing. Give us your leadership insights how the country can be taken forward. Uh, based on your lived experience, as it were?
2: Oh, well, I mean, uh, uh, I've written quite a number of books. Leading in the 21st century is one of them. Go and buy it at uh, at Exclusive Books. And in summary, to lead in the 21st century, you need to read. Those who do not read must not. Because uh, the answers to many of the questions that we face are written in books. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much, Prof. You said it like a, a professor that you are. Uh, everything that we all need is in books. Let's get our heads and let's march to those respective bookshelves, retrieve them, buy them, mull over some of the very important topics that have been discussed and, and share our views. Prof, unfortunately, we're gonna to have to leave it here for time is not, not with us. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on board, Prof. Thank you very much. That was uh, a very interesting and insightful conversation with Professor Tilliti Marala, who is the Vice Chancellor at the University of Johannesburg. Let's do this again uh, in the near future. Uh, shalom and take care.
0: We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is a time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. PLUS 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Beyond Governance was brought to you by PLUS 94 Research, the science of decision-making.